You are listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so excited today for two reasons. One, I'm so excited to finally get a chance to share this conversation and episode with you with my good friend and colleague, Whitney Goodman. You may follow her on Instagram at sitwithwit. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Instagram and being a therapist. And Whitney's the perfect person to talk to about this because she has really scaled her practice utilizing this digital social media platform. I'm also really excited today because next week, Modern Therapist Academy, my comprehensive e-course for modern therapists is opening for enrollment. So enrollment only opens a few times a year. It'll be open next week starting November 13th for two weeks. And you guys, this course is everything that I wish that I had when I first started off. But here's the thing. Last time I opened enrollment over the summer for the first time, I had a bunch of therapists join who were not just starting off. They have been in the field for a while, but they were looking to either build or pivot their business. And I've been getting the feedback from them and it has been so incredible to hear about the ways in which these therapists are building, scaling, pivoting, setting boundaries in their business and stepping into their own. They're stepping into their bigger vision, and it's just been so incredible. So one of the ways in which I get a chance to witness this is that when you enroll for the course, you also get a chance to join our private Facebook community. This is where we offer referrals and resources and support, and we also do some Facebook Live Q&As. This course is the roadmap for private practice. So we start off in the first module looking at your vision and honing in on your values, defining your niche and specialty, identifying your ideal clients. And then from there, we move into the foundation of the business. So Startup 101, from finding and designing your workspace to navigating teletherapy to paperwork and record keeping protecting your business through picking a business entity or setting up a professional will. And then from there, we move into the modern marketing module. This is where I give you lots, tons of real tangible tips and tricks for marketing your business with a modern twist. So everything from social media to podcasting to blogging to just those real community connections that you can build. I not only share ways in which you can reach your ideal client through marketing tactics, but also give you the real tangible tricks and tips for how to do that, especially with some of these modern platforms. So we cover things like how to create engaging content on social media, the legal ethical considerations, building your email list through opt-ins or supportive resources for your community, And I even walk you through how to create a website that speaks to your ideal client and really drives in business so that your schedule is filled with the clients that you can help the most and that you want to be seeing. So sometimes with all of this, we can feel overwhelmed and like we have to be doing it all. So in the last module, we talk about burnout, the antidotes to burnout, creating boundaries, identifying what works for you, and really supporting you in building not only a profitable business, but also a sustainable one. 
In this course, I talk real numbers, I give you a formula for setting your fee, and lots of bonus material, especially in the realm of modern marketing. Speaking of modern marketing, one of the most powerful marketing tools that I have used that has allowed me to have a private practice that is consistently full with my ideal clients is my podcast. And so in the course, we do talk about podcasts and podcasting for therapists, but I'm also working on a more comprehensive mini course that really focuses on podcasting for therapists and dives into all the details of it for those of you who are really interested in taking that marketing tool on. So that course opens in March, but if you're interested in it, you really should mark your calendar for November 13th. Because if you enroll on that first day of enrollment, you get to have that course just added right on to the Modern Therapist Academy at no extra charge. So it's a bonus to you if you sign up on that first day, November 13th, when the course launches in March, you will have access to it. You can find all this information and more at the link in my show notes for the Modern Therapist Academy. All right, so back to the first thing I was excited about sharing this episode with all of you. Here is Whitney talking all about Instagram for therapists. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Whitney, thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast episode with me, talking all about Instagram for therapists. You are definitely the guru to talk to about this topic, so I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So maybe we can start off with just a little bit of context and you can share with us how you started off in this field and maybe in that story, you can share with us how you first decided as a clinician to get on social media and to step into the digital arena in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I knew I always wanted to work with people in some types of some type of human services field. But once I graduated college, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do with a sociology degree. Um, So I started searching online. I ended up finding a marriage and family therapy program, you know, reading what that was about and was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want to do. So I applied for a bunch of grad schools, went straight into school, and it's really the only thing I've ever done. Um, So I, and I love the field. I'm happy to be in it. But as far as Instagram goes, um, when I started my private practice, which was a little over two years ago, I wanted to find a way that I could share knowledge while also marketing my practice and put myself out there in a way that was different than what I saw just a lot of local people doing. Yeah, And I liked Instagram as a platform. I was really comfortable with it. So that's why I decided to go with it. And, And over that time, I've seen so many more therapists show up on there and other types of professionals. It's been really cool to see the growth of the platform, you know, over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, you were one of the first people that I found when I first, I mean, I was on Instagram before 
um, I was blogging, doing more like lifestyle and design creative blogging. And I was not on there as a therapist. So I kept that part of my life pretty separate and kind of was all compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't even using my real last name. I was using my middle name because I, there was all the fears of, I don't know, clients Googling me or finding me on social media. And I kept it really separate. Um, but then once I launched my private practice, I decided, you know, this is, would be a great space to kind of expand my reach in terms of marketing. And so I took the leap and I thought I'd be the only person as a therapist out there. I was terrified, but I found that there were other folks, other brave souls who were on Instagram <laughs> as clinicians. And I think that your account, Sit With Wit, was one of the first ones that I found. That's too funny. I'm curious to hear from you. Like when you first got on, like were were you finding other clinicians on there or I mean were you one of the first that I were really wasn't. I mean with the exception of I think mindful MFT Vienna's been on there for a really long time yeah, yeah she was so, one of the first yeah. yeah I used to follow her like before I was even a therapist I think you know maybe when I was in school yeah. or something like that but she might have been the only other person that I saw once I got on there and over time I saw more people start to pop up but I got a lot of flack like from other people when I first got on Instagram as a clinician. It wasn't really a a common thing that people were doing, even though that was only, you know, two years ago. Yeah, which is so crazy to me that that yeah. was two years ago. Because I, re- I remember, I mean, I I don't feel like I got a lot of flack, but I think I was also like doing it kind of secretly. And like, mm-hmm. I, was not, I don't know, I was, I think that and it was getting in the way of growth because I was like, okay, I'm on here and I'm marketing, but I'm not going to really market it that I'm on social media. And it's right. going to be, I'm not going to share, um, I'm not going to do like psychoeducation on here. I'm just going to be marketing my private practice. Um, and so I just really kind of put myself in this like box of what I felt like I could do on Instagram as a therapist, because there was a lot of fear because it kind of felt like the wild, wild west. I mean, I know Vienna was on there um, because I, same, same thing. I've been following her for a little while and it's fun because now we're friends and she's right. going to be on the podcast too. So it was really cool and great to get to connect with her. Um, and you were on there and I, I you know, the, the Gottmans were on there and Esther sure. Perez. So um, Brene Brown, like there were some like, you know, very well-known clinicians who have these, you know, organizations and um, that they had platforms on there as well. But it was, it was scary in the beginning. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of discourse around putting ourselves out there in general as clinicians. And so I'm just curious to sort of hear how you sort of understand those discourses and how you've navigated them. Yeah. You know, I think there's, like you're saying, there's a lot of fear and that came up for me. It it almost felt like I was doing this renegade thing (laughs) to be on on social media and it's, it really isn't that big of a deal. Um, There's a lot of fear around being a clinician and people knowing about you and knowing what you're doing and who you are. And I think that kind of, at least in my training, really got beat into me. Mm-hmm. And to go against that was almost like, okay, I'm going to go against everything I've been taught and do something different. And now I really love that. I'm like, want to push the envelope even more. <laughs> and I think I've gotten really like in a space where I feel comfortable because I know that it's working for me. 
Yeah. And so I know, I know that for me initially, like I said, like I really put myself in a box of what I felt like I could do on social media. And it was really limited to like marketing my practice for, you know, here in San Diego. And then once I started being, you know, being interested in teletherapy and I was like, well, how am I going to market to the whole state of California? Um, And how do I sort of broaden my reach in that way? And that's sort of when I started to ease into more of sharing, like showing up on social media in a different way where I was getting more on Instagram stories and, you know, providing more sort of like information and psychoeducation. And what I love that you're doing and other therapists that are on social media are doing is it's becoming this opportunity for people to learn about things that oftentimes are only being offered in, you know, behind closed doors or are, you know, things that you, you know, we learn about in like the books that we're reading or the research that we're um, reading or doing. And it's, it's making it more accessible. It's making us more accessible. And while, you know, Instagram is not a substitute for therapy and, you know, you and I can talk about this whole Insta therapy um, word and verbiage in a little bit, it's, it is a bridge, right? Like it's an invitation mm-hmm. into what it might be like to, um, to know a therapist, to hear them talk about things, to, yeah. to begin to sort of be curious about questions that come up as you read their content or learn about different things. And so it can create this beautiful bridge to actually getting support with the therapist. Um, But, you know, I think that there has been in the media some, you know, some stuff out there around using the terms like Insta therapy and, um, you know, pushback uh, because because of that word and making it almost sound like what we are doing is providing therapy through Instagram, which mm. we're not. So I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on, yeah, on how this is sort of like showing up in the media and yeah, you know, this whole Insta therapy debacle. So I think I, I completely agree with you that that's one of the major reasons that I'm on Instagram is to build that bridge. Uh, I think for a long time, academia, therapy, all these spaces have been so walled off from the general population and there's such a small group that can access those services that I think education should be available and we should be sharing it and giving it to people and yeah it's not therapy but it's still really valuable because it might be the very thing that makes someone say whoa I think I need to seek out some other services because I'm identifying with a lot of this information I'm seeing here right It, it helps bridge that gap yeah. With the insta therapy, I think it's such a it's such a funny thing. I feel like people like to just twist things to try to make them more sensational. Sensational or clickbaity. It's like, oh, what is this? And it's just like yeah. tongue insta therapy. And it kind of like captures what they're talking about, therapists on Instagram, but it also can, you know, obviously brings a message that doesn't totally fit with what it is that these folks are actually doing. Right. And it's misleading to the public, I think, is really like the dangerous part about it is that there's a big difference between consuming content and doing something with it or implementing things in your life. And if people think, well, I'm going to follow all these therapists, I'm going to digest all this content, they they might not see results in their life. Right. And might not be as as impactful. Yeah. And something that I love that um, our friend Lisa Oliveira does is I feel like she oftentimes in her post, she'll come on and she'll say things like, 
hey, you know, I, I think it's great that you're following therapists on Instagram now and you're getting all this great content, but sometimes we consume so much information that we also have to have boundaries around that, you know, um, which I think is, is, is really being respectful and thoughtful and mindful of how the, how, how the, the world and the community is now interacting with us on Instagram and getting access to all this information. You know, I think that there's, there's also a responsibility that we have as professionals showing up in the space. So I'm curious, you know, from, from your experience, and I know that you also have um, an e-course um, on Instagram for therapists, and, and I know that these are pieces that you address in there. How do you navigate boundaries and like the legal ethical pieces and just sort of the responsibility that you feel as a licensed professional showing up in this, in this digital space with, you know, with the people who are following you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think on, on the legal end, it's very important to, of course, show up as you know, who you are with your license and be very transparent about all of those things where you practice Make sure that people are aware that this isn't a therapeutic relationship. You are not providing them with therapy. My own boundaries that I've had to set, and I, I got really clear on this at the beginning before I started my platform, honestly, was how am I going to respond to messages? Yes. Yeah. I don't um, at all from any people. You know, I really only interact with people like you or other clinicians yeah. who I know in the space. Um, through Instagram. And I've seen a lot of other therapists sort of do this in their highlights, like routinely to to update people like, hey, I don't respond to DMs. This is how you can right. contact me. And I think that's really, really helpful. Um, I've had one of the hardest things to set boundaries around, I think for me has been getting what I will call um, constructive but very negative criticism on a post or something like that, that that was a really new experience for me. Yeah. And I'm surprised by how much it affected me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's only happened to me maybe two or three times, but I think whenever I post something now, I ask myself like, do I a hundred percent stand behind this Mm. and what I'm putting out there? And would I say this to one of my clients' faces? You know, am, am I comfortable with this being out in the world And if I feel that way, I know that somebody might disagree with it and that's totally fine, but I need to feel comfortable that what I'm putting out there is in line with my own morals, values, and beliefs. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there's a few filters I go through, um, you know, before I post and and these are some filters that I I dive more deeply into in the private practice e-course that I have. And these aren't like, I'm not not talking photo filters here. I mean, I love the the other filters I go through. And, you know, some of them are like, you know, how is this going to impact if any of my current clients follow me, which I cover in my informed consent that, you know, they can follow my professional accounts if they'd like to, obviously they don't have to, and I'm not going to follow them back. And we talk about the boundaries around communication and all that, but there, I do have some clients who potentially follow my professional account. And so I'm always asking myself, um, are these posts, like how might these posts impact my clients, my current clients? How might these posts impact my audience? How might this post, like if I was to receive criticism on this, like would I be okay, right? Like is this mm-hmm. something that I feel ready to put out there um, or that I feel, yeah, very like secure in sort of my understanding of this piece or sort of um, where I'm coming from from this piece? 
Um, and because I have, you know, I'm married and I have children, if I ever do share, um, you know, a parenting antidote or mm-hmm. a piece of my personal life from from that standpoint, I'm always question. I'm always asking myself, like, how comfortable am I am I in this boundary with like sharing anything about my kids or my relationship? Am I speaking from a scar, like it's been healed and I've done work around this, or does it still feel pretty raw? Um, and that's if I'm sharing something that's not just psychoeducational but also personal. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, considering all of those pieces. And so you mentioned highlights earlier. um, And so that's the Instagram story highlights that are on your profile. And is that where you cover sort of like the legal, ethical boundary stuff as you put it in your story? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like a disclaimer section, something like that, where I put, you know, where I'm licensed to practice therapy, who I work with, what's the best way to contact me? Yeah. And I think it's good practice. You know, I probably need to update those again soon. Um, But that's a great place to also refer people to, you know, if they're asking about your services so that you don't have to explain yourself every time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing and assuming that maybe there have been times where you've had clients who follow your accounts. How do you... How, what, has been, what, has, what has been your experience with that? Because yeah, I get that question a lot from um, therapists yeah. I've been coaching with, and they're like, you know, one of their big fears is like, what if a, a client follows me? And like, what if they bring up something I said in session? Or what if something I share like impacts our therapeutic relationship? And there's a lot, just, you know, a lot of fears around different areas. Totally. That might be one of them. So and honestly, that, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, that has been such a positive experience for me that I think it's been one of the main yeah. things that kept me going on Instagram is that yeah. my clients bring in my posts all the time. Yep. And mm-hmm. are like, oh, I saw this. And even if it's, I don't view them having a reaction that might be deemed negative as a bad thing. You know, I've had clients that might say, yeah really set me off or it kind of irritated me. And there's so much material there to discuss. And a lot of, I think most of my clients do follow me. I've never had any issues with that. Yeah. You know, I have had the same experience where actually Mm. some of the most like tender conversations and impactful conversations I've had with clients were times when maybe they heard something I shared on a podcast episode, maybe say about, you know, my experience with pregnancy loss, for example, and then they, they bring it into session. And what's, what's so cool. And I didn't really know this would happen, but has been my experience is, you know, it's, I am self-disclosing on a public platform that my clients have access to. Obviously, I'm very intentional about what it is that I'm choosing to self-disclose and, and have all those filters in mind of like, am I ready to share this and um, what the impact it could have on others. But then they get that they get to have the agency to decide whether or not they then want to bring up that they heard this self-disclosure and to talk about it for one reason or another. And it's been... Yeah. And sometimes these things can be triggering, but then, but then we get to have these real, real powerful conversations about it. For the most part, though, it's always been 
really positive and it's given them the agency to decide what they bring into session um, if they do connect with me on something that I've experienced. But they get to decide on their terms when and how they bring that up. And then obviously I, you know, using my therapeutic judgment, decide how to navigate that with them and hold space for them in their experience of it. Um, so yeah, no, I've had the same experience where it's always been very positive. And I always make sure that in the beginning of our work, in my informed consent to share with them sort of like, if you do follow these public accounts, and if, you know, something ever comes up in your own online life or in mine, that's, that's that you want me to know, or that in, that, that might impact our therapeutic relationship to, to bring that up, you know, um, and that's, that's across the board, not just, not just because of social media, but I want those conversations happening um, no matter what. So yeah, no, I've had a very similar experience. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that because I do think that there's a lot of fear around that, but it can yeah. be used for so much good. And my clients inspire me all the time with things to write about. And I think it can be helpful oh. for them to be learning in, in session, you know, in, in a therapeutic context, in the relationship, and then also reading about something later in a different way. Right. And, and on their own terms, and on their own time, where then they have the space to kind of think about it and to process it in their own space and then bring it back up to you, right? Like bring it up to you in a way after, after they've had some time on their own to sort of think about these things or to have a question be posed that isn't necessarily specific towards them, but gives them sort of a, a space to just kind of generally think about these pieces, even outside of the therapeutic space. Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of like content creation, like that's another sort of pain point that um, therapists will, will share with me that I'm either coaching or working with is like how, okay, like everything, it feels like everything's already been done. Everything's already been said. And <laughs> how do you create content that is engaging, but also how do you like, yeah, just like create, like, like how do you come up with ideas for content? So I'm curious to sort of hear your process for that. Yeah, so my process has evolved a lot. Um, as my account has gotten bigger, I can tell you every post that I put up in the last maybe three months is I thought of it in that moment, wrote it, and put it up. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't really plan out my content anymore. I'm like very impulsive about it. <laughs> but when I started my account and when I talk to people about this, I think when you first start, you need to have your content set up. And, yeah. and like scheduled because otherwise when you're getting like 10 likes on a picture, you're going to lose motivation and it's very hard to sustain it if you don't have things on deck. Yeah. Um, for the first year probably of my Instagram, I was batch creating content. Um, you know, I would, I have a note th section in my phone of mm -hmm. millions of ideas whenever I read something. <laughs> it's like Instagram posts. If I ever lost that file, it would be devastating. Um, so I think when you're starting, absolutely doing it that way. And then you can be a little bit more flexible depending on your style. Yeah. And I, what's so interesting, Whitney, is that I actually started off with like, just like on the fly coming up with stuff. And uh -huh. it it was like what you're saying, like 
it was, I mean, one, it was like leading to a lot of burnout for me because I was just like, oh my gosh, I should post something today. And like, um, like, like inspiration <laughs> come to me, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I don't know. And I mean, sometimes like I would, like there would be something, either a conversation I'd had or something I had just read that inspired me. And then I, it, I would feel really good about the post, but um, there was also a little bit of just like the pressure point and like wanting to have, you know, something to create to put out there. And I have found that now that I'm doing more like batch working and like creating, like having a content calendar where I'm planning things out in advance, which um, I recently hired an assistant and she's really helping me with that. So it's like been a game changer, but batching the work and like having a plan has been huge. And so I think that like, you know, from what you're saying and what now I've experienced, I think that like definitely starting off with just creating a plan, like what kind of, and I think that you have to hone in also, like, what do you want your voice to be? Who do you want to be speaking to? Like, who is your ideal audience member? And like, why do you want them to be in your audience? Is this for, is this because you're looking for clients? Is this, is is this because you're looking to diversify your income or um, are you selling a course or what, like, who are you trying to speak to? What are some of the that, that you know that they would want to read about or be interested in and then you know taking those larger topics and then unpacking them into like the nitty-gritty of the different components of whatever those topics are um yeah, yeah. so I mean I think, I think that people is finding their own voice because yes. I notice like a lot of people they their posts will look exactly like somebody else's. Like sometimes I'll be scrolling. I'm like, oh wait, I thought that was this other person because it yeah. looks so similar. Or you can get caught up in, well, okay, this worked for them, so I should just do what they're doing. And yeah. really, it worked for them because that's them. You know, if you copy yeah. it, it's likely not going to work. Yeah, and I know that sometimes in that space. It- like okay so then so then what do i do right it's like i see what they're doing yeah. they're they're doing it successfully and yeah maybe i can connect with the fact that like i'm not like i have my own voice and or i have my own ideal audience like who i'm who i'm trying to speak to um, and i think that what i always try to remind the therapists that i'm working with and myself you know because we were all none of us are immune to feeling like we get caught up in the comparison or like scarcity meaning like it's already all been done there isn't enough room for me in this space i was always coming back to like okay here's the thing like the truth is like it's already yes it's all been done but it hasn't been done by you you know like yeah. it hasn't been done by you in your voice in your sort of niche in like who you're trying to speak to so I always say, coming back to like, really, who are you trying to speak to? Like, make this like an actual person that you're trying to speak to and honing in on like what your values are, your specialty, what you bring to the table, which is not going to be for everyone. And that's great because you don't want to speak to everyone. If you're speaking to everyone, then you're then you're not going to be able to identify and find your, your niche and your ideal client or customer or audience member. And so just... Yeah. Yeah, I think just sort of recognizing that, yeah, it's all been said in some way or another. Like, you know, there's there's really rarely any like totally original <laughs> topics or ideas. Um, and But it hasn't been said by you because so much like a lot of us aren't necessarily doing our own um, like big research studies where we're coming up with these new like algorithms or, or, or frameworks, we're taking the research that we have read and we're bringing our voice to it. Or we're also using right. our clinical 
experiences that we've had with our actual clients and, and bringing that into the conversation and dialogue or our own personal experiences, you know? So I think that, um, I think all of that is, is just helpful to keep in mind when we're sitting down and, and trying to step into the space, especially if you're just starting off. Totally. Totally. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So with that, what, like, what are your thoughts on branding for therapists? Um, because I mean, a lot of times what we're posting out there and for creating graphics and we're using color and typography um, is, is in its own way is branding, you know? And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on branding and, you know, your sort of process in branding like yourself as a clinician um, and your, and um, the center that you have here in Miami, the CCC. Yeah, I'm all about branding. I think that it is, I don't think that therapists are immune to the trends of the world in terms of marketing. And we kind of have to play into what people are looking for. And I'm noticing that clients, even especially younger clients, are looking to get a feel for you and what you're about before they come into the door. Most of them are researching you. And they if they can get an overall sense very quickly from your branding, I think that they're more quick to make that call. So a lot of things yeah. that we might not think about, you know, that you're talking about like color, font, they're really important. It seems like small things, but they're actually pretty big, I think. Um, even just on Instagram, like being able to read your posts, the font and the colors that you're using. Uh, I like mine to match with my website. I know your stuff is so well branded and match and matches cohesively. And yeah. I like that personally. No. It's, it makes it feel inviting to me. Yeah. And you know, and I, I think that one of the fears that I originally had, and, and I know that others have as well is, well, what if I, if I do this branding and I really like speak to my ideal client or I really niche down in that way? And what if like, it's, it's that scarcity mindset, like, does that just like take away all these potential clients that um, aren't going to call me then? Because they see my, like, for instance, my stuff is fairly feminine and like my, my style the colors and and what if what if that like really limits like who's going to reach out but what i have found is that the more and more that i've niched down and allowed for my own style and voice what to come out even in like the colors and the images and the fonts that i use and the logos that i have the more that i've done that the more and more my practice has become full with like the people that i work the best with and it just yeah. makes me so much happier in my day to day because every client that comes in is my ideal client and i know that i am a good fit for them i'm going to be able to help them and if i'm trying to speak to everyone and my practice is full with clients that aren't my ideal clients well that's not good for me and that's not sustainable but it's also not good for them you know and i know that there is a good therapist the right fit for those folks and it doesn't have to be me and so I think that that fear has been just really dismantled because I see I see the proof that the more that I've gotten into the branding parts of it and niche down and use my voice and let my style sort of shine through, the more my practice is filled with my ideal clients and it's better for everybody involved, you know? I've had the same exact experience and I'm a big fan of the niche 
getting very, very specific. And then people will still contact you outside of that. It's not like they're going to look at you and, and not come to you because you only work with this one specific population. Totally. I mean, I have so I have plenty of clients who, I mean, maybe if they saw my branding would be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's not what I would pick or like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, these are clients that are coming to me are direct referrals from other providers that I know or pre- previous clients that think that I'd be a good fit. And so those direct referrals are also typically ideal clients because they're coming from somebody who really thinks that we would be a good fit. And so it's not like, I don't just get clients from my logos and my website and social media. I mean, I, I get I, my, my other clients are coming from direct referrals and those are also wonderful, ideal, perfect fit clients for me. So yeah, I think that it's, it really has not at all limited my practice. I think that it's just made my practice that much more of a better fit for, for me. And it just makes me happier. And I think it makes me do, it allows me to do the work that I was called to do. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So really quick, um, last question here, the algorithm, Whitney, how, (laughs) So I still remember the days of Instagram where you post something and if somebody follows you, like as they're scrolling, your post is just going to show up. Like if you're, you know, in the order in which others have posted and it just was such a nice time in our lives. <laughs> didn't have to worry about this algorithm. And if, if you're listening, you're not sure what I'm talking about. Instagram has an algorithm now that was put in place a while ago. I'm trying to maybe over a year ago. Um, yeah. I don't know how long, but it's been a little while um, where the algorithm basically shows you what it thinks that you're going to like. And it's more likely to show you posts that get a lot of engagement or from accounts that are engaging a lot or that you've engaged with. And so this can be intimidating for somebody who's just starting off because yeah, you're going to start off with not a lot of engagement because you're just starting off. Or maybe you're not like a lot of your work isn't online. So you're not on Instagram often or a lot, right? And how do you then, you know, then you're creating these posts that you're putting a lot of thought into and you're putting it out there. And sometimes it can feel like you're posting something. It's just going into the abyss. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if anybody's going to see this. And so I'm just curious, for you, I mean, yes, maybe like tools of boosting, you know, engagement so folks can see your posts, but almost more importantly for me, I think is like mindset. Like how do you sort of have a, like, what's your mindset around this? So when I first got on Instagram, this um, social media person told me, don't get on this platform unless you're ready to like put work into it, that it's not a a throw something on there and leave it type of platform. Yeah, And that was the mindset that I went into it with. I really treated it like this is a job. It's something I have to do consistently every day if I want it to work. Yeah, And that proved to be more accurate for me than trying to figure out any algorithms or use, you know, people ask me, should I pay to promote my posts? I've never done anything like right. that. Right. More just, I think if you're going to use the platform, you have to put in the work. It has to be a consistent part of of your job, of what you do every day. And I think the more you put into it, the more you're going to get back. Yeah. 
Yeah. And also I just listen to the feedback I get. So I see like, these are the posts that are doing really well. Okay. Maybe I should do more posts like that Yeah, and, and try to augment my content, you know, to fit what people are looking for. Cause that's important. You know, that's really what we're providing on there. Right. Exactly. And so, and I think that with all this, it's super important. It sounds like you kind of went through this when you first were deciding to get on is coming back to like, what is your why? Like, why are you getting on? If, if getting on is just because everybody else is doing it, well, it, it's going to suck you up and like spit you out because it can be right. Like it can be, I mean, there's so much space in there for comparison or for feeling like you're not doing enough or to feel let down if you put a lot of thought into something and you share it and and it doesn't get seen. So for me, it's always coming back to like, why are we, why are you coming on? And well, after we can connect with the why, and then from there, how do we then fit this into your life where you can carve out space for it, right? Um, because I know for me, I also have to have boundaries around it because otherwise it can, it can be a time suck. And mm-hmm. so I have to remind myself, why am I getting on? And if my wife, if I feel really aligned with the values and the why of why I'm getting on, then I am going to be more thoughtful and intentional about carving out space to show up on that space and to, yes, like treat it like a job, treat it like it is part of the work that I do. And also recognizing what I want my boundaries to be around it so that I'm not feeling like it's taking up all of the in-between moments of my life. Because unfortunately for many of us, it can, it can take up all of that. little. Absolutely. And if you find that I'm a big believer that the marketing strategies you should use should be the ones that you enjoy and that you're good at. And Instagram is just one of many, you know, social media online platforms that I love creating content for Instagram. I really enjoy doing it. I can't imagine my life without it. But if you're somebody that it, it sucks the life out of you and you hate doing it every day, Get off. Yeah, like I'll do it. <laughs> you can have a full practice. You can have you could be a millionaire without using Instagram. <laughs> Absolutely. It is, it is no, not a requirement. Yes, no, it is not. It is so not. Like I um in my private practice e-course, the last module is all about like boundaries and balance. And like I literally started mm-hmm. off with like, okay, guys, I gave you all these tools. Now here is your giant permission slip to not yep. do it all. Like let's identify like what actually is going to work for you and where you actually want to spend your time and energy and money or whatever it's going to be. Like let's really hone in on that because no, you do not have to be on Instagram if you're there. It's so funny because just a few years ago, Whitney, it was like we were scared to get out. <laughs> we thought we were breaking the rule. Oh, no. Now we're saying like, but you now we're having to say you don't have to be on this platform. Like this is, right. this is just one of those ways in which you can, yeah, be marketing your business or um, diversifying the work that you do. So my last question for you here, Whitney, is what what are some of the doors that being on social media has opened for you as a clinician? Oh my gosh, literally everything <laughs> I have gotten from social media. I mean, meeting people like you and getting these opportunities on podcasts. I've done a bunch of those. I became a writer for Psychology Today because of Instagram. Um, what else have I done? I mean, pretty much been featured on some pretty big um, like media platforms too. Yeah. And that's all been through Instagram. Like everybody that emails me, I found you through Instagram. Right. And I truly believe that 
for me personally, if I wasn't using this platform, none of this other stuff would exist because nobody could find me. Right. Right, right. And to tie this back to what we just said, there's other ways that people can find us, right? Like this was your thing. This was your thing, your platform that you love being on that allows for people to find you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for others, for some people, it's writing and they're on blogs. For some people, it's podcasts and they're on podcasts. For some people, it's like really getting into their communities and like the the community events and their community organizations. And so there are so many ways that we can be connecting with others and getting these opportunities. And this is absolutely one of them. Totally. Yeah. And so Whitney, where can people find you? And I know you also have a course on all this stuff. So share that information with us. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, I sit with Wit. And I usually tell people, just go there. You can access my website from there. I also have a ton of information on the Instagram for therapist course on the highlight section of my Instagram page. Yeah. And the course is really great. It goes through in detail, like the content creation process, disclaimers, all that good stuff. Um, And it's just on Instagram. So if that's a platform that you're interested in using, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Amazing. Well, Whitney, I am so grateful to Instagram for getting me and you connected and now having you as a colleague and as a friend. And I'm just so grateful that you came on and shared all of your experience and wisdom and authenticity with us on this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to be here. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.